Welcome to Rock Solid Ministries Frontline Servants Program, where we visit with men and women on the front lines of kingdom service. For more information about our free revival ministry, or to explore more of our audio and video recordings, visit our website at rocksolidministries.org. Again, rocksolidministries.org. My guest today is Keith Tafflinger, student minister with First Christian Church in Water Valley, Mississippi. Now, Keith, we talked about this earlier, and I think I probably just brought it to your mind that uh, we met when I was holding a revival at Columbus, Mississippi, where mm -hmm. your dad was a minister back in 2007, yep. which would make you a whole lot younger than you are now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Probably still in high school, junior high maybe even? Uh, back yeah, in 2007. I would have been in sixth grade. Wow. Yeah. So, grade. and we may have run into each other once or twice yeah. in the sixth intervening grade. years. Mm -hmm. um, but I always look forward to speaking with a preacher's kid, or like we like to say, yeah. PK. Yeah. And uh, especially when they have answered the call to ministry themselves. Yeah. So, Brother Keith, tell us your story. Yeah. Um, well, thank you for uh, coming out here, and uh, I appreciate the opportunity to do this with you. Um, yeah, like you said, I'm a PK through and through. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, born right into the ministry. Uh, I was born in Athens, Georgia at, at the time. My father was actually being pushed out of his youth ministry job in Hebron, Georgia, um, as I was being born. Um, oh. So I was born out. I was uh, born in Athens, and two weeks after I was born, we moved to Mississippi. So wow. born in Georgia, raised in Mississippi. Um, we we moved. Uh, my dad's first uh, full. Um, senior minister job was uh, at South Raleigh Christian Church down in Raleigh, Mississippi. Uh, I grew up there um, until about, I was about 11. And then from Raleigh, we made the jump uh, from to Columbus, uh, where we Y'all were at Raleigh quite a long while, weren't you? Yeah, it was about 11 years, 11, 12 years, yeah. something like that. Our, I interviewed your dad. It's, yeah. it's been a while back, Yeah, but it was podcast number 64. Yeah and encourage our listeners to go back. It was, I really enjoyed that one. It was a very interesting yeah. podcast and learned so much and it was encouraging yeah. to me to hear his story. Yeah. So that's podcast number 64. Yeah. Just want to get off on that, let people no, know No, yeah, that's that. good. He does, definitely has a, uh, a really strong testimony. And, uh, yes. Uh, but our childhoods couldn't be completely different because he accepted Christ um, growing up in the situation that he, that he did. And so, um, accepting his call to ministry, which means I grew up in a, you know, a stronger family uh, that that didn't have to go through a lot of stuff that he did. Um, but you know, I was I was raised as a minister's kid, and uh, and while we were in Raleigh, I can remember uh, quite uh, almost like it was yesterday, going around and telling everybody that I wanted to be just like my dad. Uh, I wanted to be a preacher, um, and not only that, I want to be a preacher just like my dad, um, but I also wanted to preach. At the same church that he was preaching at at the time. So, oh, really? Yeah, I'll go around and say, you know, I'm going to be Raleigh's uh, minister, um, you know, and then I always joked around with the elders and saying, the first thing I'm going to do when I become a preacher here at Raleigh is I'm going to put a steeple on top of this church because there's not a steeple on top of that <laughs> there's church. There's still not one there, is <laughs> there is, No, there's not. Yeah. But I mean, like, it was because as a kid, you know, I thought, you know, it was a, a steeple would. And Raleigh is southeast of Jackson. Below, yeah. below I twenty, right? Yeah, Smith yeah. County, Mississippi, um, kind of almost out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Kind of like Water Valley takes, you know, you have to go through places to get there. And right, and I did a uh, revival there. Yeah. Uh, since we began traveling, but I, it's, it's been quite a while back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 
Yes. So we were there for 11, 12 years. I think I was almost 11 years old when we moved. That's how I kind of keep up with it is I was just born and we moved. And so then I was 11 when we moved away. So right. would have been probably about 11 years. It was 2007, I know, when we moved. And then um, we jumped, made the jump to Columbus. Uh, that was a good, strong ministry as far as, far as the family Raleigh was. Uh, but they had to move on um, as far as finances was really, really tight. Right. As far as the family. Um, and so... My How parents, many brothers and sisters? I have three sisters. So I'm, I'm the only son. Right. I am the third in line. Um, and then I have a younger... Yeah, I have a younger... One who's younger than me and the two that are older. Uh, and so... Um, and ironically, they're all teachers now when I work with youth. And so we all work with kids. <laughs> so... Uh, but yeah, we made the jump to Columbus. We were there for about four years. Uh, it started out well uh, from what I, and I was a kid, you know, and, and but that in Columbus was when I realized being a preacher was not easy and something I really didn't want to do um, right. because the board was quite opposite from Raleigh. The board mm-hmm. at Raleigh was a very good board. Um, the board at Columbus was not. They had a, and uh, I mean, I don't, they're very good people down there. Don't get me wrong. We still have good relationships with a lot of people down in First Christian Church of Columbus. And things have changed. I yeah. mean, things do change over yeah. the years. Yeah, yeah. And, and right now, I think they're growing as a church. And so good. I think, um, but at the time, my father kind of ran and, and butted heads with some of the elders. And uh, they, they decided after four years there, that it was time to go. Can I give you an interesting bit of history about Columbus? Yeah. First Christian Church? Yeah. Noel Shaw was a preacher there. Okay. And do you know his history? He wrote Bringing in the Sheep. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. he used to go off and hold revivals and would be gone for several weeks, mm-hmm. come back, and he would preach two or three times a day throughout the week to packed houses. Yeah. And he was living there on a revival, going from a revival in McKinney, Texas to Dallas or vice versa. Yeah. When the plane, train wrecked and he was killed. Oh, yeah. And uh, very interesting story, but he wrote Bringing in the Sheaves. Yeah. And there's a little bit of trivia for our listeners. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Columbus had a very rich history as far as, you know, I know, like it, it served as the uh, the original building, at least, during the Civil War when Jackson was taking over the Union. The, the original building that was located downtown Columbus was served as a state capital for a short amount of time. Really? Mm-hmm. It was also a hospital for Confederate soldiers at the time. So they have a deep deep history over there at, at, at uh, First Christian Church of Columbus. but uh, Which makes me happy to know they're doing better now. Yeah, as far as, right. I, as, far as I see, you know, that I'm just right. kind of observing from the outside. Sure. Um, you know, uh, but uh, but it, it didn't, uh, towards the end, it didn't just, it, it wasn't where my dad decided, you know, we should stay. And so we left. Um, and so my dad left working for, for a church full time and went to work for some Christian Youth Ranch, down, which is down in Lake Mississippi. So out of ninth grade, or going into my sophomore years, we made the move to Lake. Um, he was just supposed to go and kind of like you travel and preach, and mainly to fundraise for the uh, for the youth ranch, um, which helped at-risk youth. Um, they come in, and you know we they they taught them Jesus, and and they lived on the property and worked the farm and things like that. Right. It was a very good ministry, but then at the same time, um, four years later, uh, he ended up moving away from that. Um, the job that he originally took um, evolved into something that he didn't exactly want to do fully. Right. Um, so he, he ended up being a house parent, and at one point, I mean, we had, I don't know, 10 other kids 
minus me and my siblings. Um, and and you have to really be gifted in that yeah. to do that type of ministry. Yeah. It's a difficult yeah. thing. And if you're, you weren't going into it expecting that, I can sure see. Yeah. And your dad is such a good preacher. <clears throat> yeah. I've had an opportunity to sit under him preaching. And, and can I, I, I just say he dropped my jaw. I just, I, I, I went in there knowing him all the years, but when he got in the pulpit and, and didn't stay in the pulpit, he was all over the place. Yeah. Uh, I can see that, that he's very gifted in, in preaching. Yeah. And yeah. And, uh, yeah. And at the time, you know, we were attending uh, Antioch Christian Church. So when my, um, my dad wasn't traveling around, that's where he went to church. Um, and so, so we, we made the drive from Lake to Hickory every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every once a night. That was my youth group. And that actually plays a big part of how I run my youth group. We did not, I did not have a youth minister growing up. Right. Um, they, um, I know they do have one now, but at the time they just had youth sponsors. And in um, a group of great guys, I'm not trying to say anything bad about them, but they don't, they didn't, they knew how to get the kids there. Um, but the, as far as the biblical teaching to the teenagers, that was kind of lacking in that area. Uh-huh. And so I didn't. You know, we didn't sit down and have lessons every single youth group meeting. We played volleyball and games and ate pizza and then went home. And for me, that was going to youth group, and um, which now is completely opposite from how I run my youth group. So, and that when I say the reason why that plays a big part of it is because I look back to what I was, what I'd had as a teenager, and how could it have been better for the kids I have now. Um, and one of the things is I make sure that we spend more time studying the Bible than we are going around and playing games. Don't get me wrong, I love playing games. I love going to the gym and doing cool things and, and it, them having fun, but that's not, that doesn't give you a terrible life. That's not your relationship with Jesus. It's not, that's right, yeah. you know, through volleyball. And um, it can pull pull some in mm-hmm. so they can learn about Jesus, yeah. but it's not, right. that's not what youth group should be. Exactly, yeah. and so that's, and uh, so, you know, I think, and, and, and again, I'm not trying to put those guys down and, I think they, they I think they did the best they could. Um, they didn't have Bible degrees, and and then themselves, you know, they're still trying to learn as far as their own relationships with Christ and things like that. Um, but they didn't have a youth minister, so that's kind of the youth group. I they grew did up show with. you they cared. Yeah. They were there. They did something with you. Yeah, which showed you that they cared yeah. in Jesus' name. Right. Which is not a bad thing. Right. It's just things could be better. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Sure. And so, the and like. When we were living at the youth ranch, I really saw like, man, I don't, I don't want to do ministry. That's just not the way. <laughs> I, don't know. I can't, I can't do that. Like, it, as difficult as I saw my parents, because you know, as preacher's wife is just as much invested in the ministry as much as the the preacher himself or the Absolutely. minister himself. And, Absolutely, I mean, you guys yeah. know that. And um, and so both my parents struggled um, with some things, and I'm just like, well, why would anybody want to go do that? Like, why would anybody want to go? And be in the ministry if it's just constant um, problems, if that makes sense. Right. You know, it, it's it's just and don't get me wrong. There's a lot of good things that I know now. There's a lot of good things that happen, but there's just also a lot of bad things, and it gets rough. And it gets rough. And I do think when when you're doing work for the Lord, I think that Satan does attack, and I think that's what happened is he attacks and he attacks and he attacks. And to me, I just saw that, and I was just I can't. I don't. I don't want to deal with that. You know, I just, I can go and, and have my own life and be happy and still have a quote unquote relationship with Jesus and, and, and do yep. my own thing, which you can but people, you know, don't do ministry, have a strong relationship with Jesus. But that was not the direction I was going in, even though I said, that's what I'll go do. 
And so right. um, that's not what ended up happening, at least we'll put it that way. <laughs> so we, uh, uh, so I graduated high school at Lake High School, 52 students maybe, small school, one hallway high school. You spend uh, a lot of time in these uh, places that you have to go two or three places to get there. Yeah. These, these, yeah. these small yeah. out of the way places. Exactly. Yeah, yeah just kind of out of the way. But um, yeah, yeah, it's, I love small towns. And that's, and that's the reason why I think I fit so well here in Water Valley is because I, I can't imagine living in a big city. I went to Mid-South. We'll get there in a little bit, but that's in Memphis. I mean, it was just so crowded and packed. And I just, <laughs> uh, I, I was looking for opportunities for on the weekends just to get out of Memphis because I, I didn't like being uh, in the in the city. So I love being in small towns like this because that's that's where I grew up. Um, and so, where am I at? So I graduated from Lake and I wanted to go into agriculture. Um, while we were living at the youth ranch, I fell in love with working with the cattle and, you know, doing all that stuff. And, and so I wanted to go into agriculture. So I actually went to community college. My plan was to go to Mississippi State um, and be part of their agriculture program. So I went to community college first, but the problem was is I actually failed out of community college. Um, huh. And uh, it's, it's kind of embarrassing, but I mean, that it is what it is. I, I didn't try, honestly. That's the reason why. I just, like a lot of college, college yeah, students. You're, you know, you're nothing different than a lot of people. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, at that age, mm -hmm. you know, I, I struggled in, in college yeah. too because I mm -hmm. just wasn't putting in the time exactly. that I to put in. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And I didn't put any time into it. And I, I'll be honest with you, I tried to cheat my way through some of the, the math classes because that wasn't my strong suit and, and things like that. And it, it was just. Are we kinfolk? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I was kind of thinking. All right, go ahead. <laughs> but uh, no, but I mean, like, I mean, it was rough. Community college was rough, and I actually consider that to be one of my darkest points of my life, is because I, um, at that time, my parents moved to Tupelo to be my dad to be the minister at Oak Ridge Christian Church over there, and so they actually left me behind in Newton um, at the time, um, while to, so I could finish my community college degree, and I spent a year. Um, living on my own and trying to uh, to work and get through college and 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 i mean i was just by myself and i uh, went through a like a pretty heavily depressed state going through all that um living on my own for the first time not really having very many friends in that area um and then just really honestly when my parents left i don't have to go to church as much as i used to you know i don't feel obligated to do that so i wouldn't you know i wouldn't go every yep. sunday i wouldn't go every Wednesday night and so not only did I was being distracted from all my schoolwork and work and working and all, all that but I actually pulled myself away from the church I pulled myself away from you know uh, my relationship with God and so that was a very rough time um, and so in, in the end that when I failed out of community college I had to move back to Tupelo I moved to Tupelo moved back in with my parents and uh, I took a gap year and then I just kind of uh, realized, you know, there's just something what I was chasing after wasn't what I was supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. um, I wasn't supposed to be going into the agricultural world. I wasn't supposed to be doing all that. And so what ended up happening is uh, I grew up in going to summer camp, church camp, um, the church the church camp down in Newton, very small camp. Uh, that's where we all went to every Christian church in the state went there at one point. And so there was no Sunshine Christian camp at the time. So everybody went down there while I was down there. And uh, and uh, I grew up there. And that I contribute summer camp to me being a Christian as much as growing up in a Christian household. You know, my parents obviously played a big part of my faith. But also at the same time, like, 
the constant going back to camp and using the summer to uh, yeah. revitalize my faith and, and, and trying to... Church camp's like revival for kids. Exactly. That's exactly what yeah. it is. And so yeah. that's it was like a reviving moment. So they get you ready to go for the next year at school, basically. And uh, it played a big part. And so uh, one of my sisters said, well, have you thought about going to go work for a camp since you love going to camp so much and you're graduating out? I was like, well, you can't go work for a camp. It's a small camp. I didn't know that you could go work for camps. Well, there's bigger camps out there that they right. hire uh, staff. And so uh, the the, camp, the church camp that my family used to attend in Georgia, its name is Woodland Christian Camp. Um, and so I went out there to work for their summer staff. I, I applied and got the job, and they brought me on a summer staff. And basically what you do is the grunt work. You're not a counselor. You're not always with the kids. You, you work with them sometimes, but not a lot. You don't do the teaching and things like that, but you do all the grunt work as far as the programming goes. So you're running the zip lines, the rock walls, all that stuff, you're lifeguarding, and then you're also like cleaning and kitchen work and things like that. But what I saw was that all my effort and work I put into that summer played a big role in running that camp, which then turns around and brings kids to Christ. We had so many baptisms that summer, and I saw it, wow, I mean, like, what I'm doing plays a part of somebody coming to Christ. That was very impactful for me. And then I was like, well, I mean, if this is a job, like, why can't I just go to camp ministry? So <laughs> that's what I did. That's what, that, was my, that was my dream was to go and be a camp director, to, to move away part-time and go full-time into camp ministry. Um, and that was my goal. That's what I chased after, after that summer. So I went back to Woodland five summers in a row uh, to do all that through college and so but when I came back from that I applied to Mid-South Christian College um, not to be a youth minister not to be a preacher I still didn't want to do anything like that I wanted to do my own ministry uh, that was that was different from working for a church and right. so I went to yeah so I went to Mid-South and the really cool thing about Mid-South is yes yeah, it's a very small school and, and things like that but they have this program called the Bachelor of Christian Leaderships Program uh, the BCL program, like we very like unique program. Yeah, yeah. And they bring you on, and they say you have to graduate with a resume, meaning you have to build your own ministry and launch it by the time you graduate from from this college. And so they put you on a team with the uh, incoming class that you're with. Um, and then the the two people that I got put on the team with also liked camp. I mean they. They didn't really see themselves as being directors, but they they liked camp as much as I, I did. And so we all decided, well, let, we'll have our ministry uh, be camp. And so um, when we get to Mid-South in, in Memphis, they tell us that your UBCL project can be as small as you want it to be or it can be as big as you want it to be. It's really whatever you want to do. But don't shoot small because you don't have a smaller God. You have a big God. So if you can, nice, go big. Yeah. And so that's what I remember Larry telling us that, Larry Griffin, right. the president at the college. And, and uh, that still impacts me today because even like with like the church and running a youth group, why would I do something small when I have a big God? Why would I settle for, you know, going small when, when, when God can, will provide? And so we decided, well, we'll just do a camp. We'll do camp ministry. We didn't really know what that looked like, but we decided what we'll do first is our first summer, we'll just uh, we'll rent from a camp. And we'll we'll run a couple programs ourselves, and if it gets bigger, it grows, and that, that's fantastic. That'll be great if it does, but if it doesn't work out, we'll just move on. Uh, but what happened was, is instead of renting a camp, Mid South was actually donated a camp.
camp property located in uh, Bloomfield, Indiana. Be Beach Lake? Yeah. Yeah, Beach Lake. Yeah, camp. yeah we've stayed there. Yeah. Uh, they hosted us. We're doing a revival in, in yeah. the area and yeah. allowed us to stay there one time. Very nice. Good yeah. folks. Yeah, so they end up, the, the directors of that camp end up stepping away for the property. And so they actually end up donating the camp property to Mid-South. Um, uh, and so they came to us and says, hey, as we know your BCL team is trying to get involved with camp ministry. How about instead of you renting a property, you just move your mission to Indiana. You take care of the property for us. We'll own the property, pay, help pay for the upkeep, and you guys can run your programs out of that. Um, you can bring in rental groups to, to rent the camp, and uh, you can make profit off of that and or work out a deal between you guys at the college to help wow. settle all this stuff. So we thought, it was like, man, this is a massive blessing. You know, God God is answering us. But the thing is, the original plan, which we, we, we steered away from when we got the property, was it was supposed to help impact Memphis. That was our original plan. Our programs were supposed to be for Memphis. For Memphis, yeah. Yeah, and so that, we, we struggled with that, but we also was like, well, we can't find anywhere else to go. This might be where God is just forcing us to go. Like he said, we want you in Indiana, not Memphis. And so we said, well, we'll take, we'll take Indiana. We'll take uh, Beachwood Lake and uh, we'll go up there. And uh, COVID broke out my junior year of college. Um, yep. And so what ended up happening was is um, we ended up walking away from going to uh, school in person because of COVID. I did my last summer at Woodland Christian Camp. Uh, my fifth summer there, and then after, while I was doing that, uh, Mid-South released a statement saying all classes will go virtual. And we had this property in Indiana, well somebody needs to take care of it, but I still have a year of college to finish. Right. And so we were trying to figure out, well, how are we going to do this? How are we going to go up there and take the property, yet yeah, go to school at the same time? Well, COVID kind of helped with that when school went virtual. Uh, and so they, so Larry, we talked to Larry, and Larry allowed me to go up to Indiana uh, my senior year of college and take classes virtually, but be able to be on property and take care of the property. Uh, it was 69 acres. I think it was like 10 cabins, dining hall, two communal bathrooms, chapel building. Um, it was a massive lake, 12 acres, I think. Yeah, uh, beautiful property. It was. A, it's a very nice property as the, far as the land itself. And the fall is wonderful up there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, because it, people think of Indiana and they think of... Uh, like cornfields and flat and not, not this part of Indiana. Not this part of Indiana. No. It was like hills and in the, the foliage when the leaves turn. I mean, it was awesome up there. Uh, but as far as the ministry went, it didn't go too great. <laughs> so, yeah. um, and this to me, like talking about this, still brings up a lot of uh, emotions as far as this was our dream, our goal, and it didn't work out. Um, and so I still like have a hard time dealing with the emotions of of it sometimes because sometimes I really do feel like it, it, we just failed um, even though mm -hmm. we did have success and I'll get to that in a minute but like we it, 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 it's rough to talk about um, your first ministry or my first ministry as far as walking into it and it just doesn't work out um, because it that's that was the dream I was chasing was to be a camp director and that's what I really wanted to do um, so we went up to Indiana we COVID, uh, so it, well, first of all, it's hard to to start your own ministry during COVID, um, right? You know, so and I'm not trying to use COVID as an excuse, but people it's were difficult. Yeah, well, people were very skeptical of sending their kids to camp the summer 2021. I think that was the summer that we were trying to launch our first summer. People were still skeptical of sending their kids to camp, 
Yeah. Well, not only that, Indiana itself has probably 10 other camps within the state that is connected to the Christian churches. There's a uh, lot there's, of other camps. There's like six, 700 Christian churches in the yeah. state of Indiana. Yeah. So there's a lot of, yeah. and some of them, a number of mega churches. Yeah. So there's an awful lot of kids. Yeah. To, there is, yeah. and uh, and when I got up there, a couple of things happened. Well, first of all, we get up there, and the property isn't, uh, well, say the facilities. The property's great. Facilities itself was not um, very good. They had a lot of problems, uh, which cost a lot of money to to try to renovate them. Uh, so we try to fundraise for that, um, and that, and. And then on top of that, um, I was up there by myself. Well, the other two people on my team, and I'm not trying to say anything. I'm not speaking out against them or anything like that. They ended up staying our senior year, so they stayed in Memphis my, our senior year while I was in Indiana by myself. Right. Taking care of 69 acres and 12 different buildings. And should we say that that's out in the middle of nowhere? Oh, yeah. It's, and you have to go a few places to get there. Yeah. And there you were, once again, yeah. in the middle of nowhere by yourself. Yeah. 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 I mean, though, I... I mean, you could go out and, like, this is how out in the middle of nowhere it was. You can go out on the lake, turn all the lights, the security lights off at the camp, go on the lake, look at the sky, and you could see, the like, one of the armbands of the Milky Galaxy, Milky, Milky Way Galaxy yeah. in the sky because there's no lights. Right. I mean, it's pitch black dark out there. I mean, there's just, uh, I think the closest town was 15, 20 minutes away mm -hmm. and, uh, and things like that. So, I mean, really definitely out in the middle of nowhere. Um, and Bloomfield, that, that wasn't a big town anyway. No, it's not a big town. Probably about the same size as the Water Valley that we're in. Right. Uh, Bloomington was close by, University or Indiana University um, right. was close by. But uh, so anyways, I get there and, you know, I'm trying my best to, as far as uh, make awareness for the camp. And my team's trying to do their best as helping in Memphis while I'm in Indiana and, and things like that. Well, um Spring came by and one of the team members got in a meeting with us and said, hey, I'm, I'm going to leave. Um, and I'm going to get why, into why, but they decided to, you know, uh, what m the direction I'm moving in for my life isn't going to be very uh, in line with what we're trying to do as far as a ministry. And so we let him, we let him leave and that was his decision and we respected that. But then that put more pressure because he was the uh, fundraising guy. He was oh, the, yeah. you know, he was the, uh, what we call the PR, the, the relationship guy to help. I was supposed to be the programming guy who just fixes the buildings and then runs the programs. And, and so, and the other team member came in that summer and she said, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm, she was originally from Mexico. And it's like, I want to go back home to Mexico. And so after our first summer, she actually ended up stepping away and, and from our ministry and going back home to Mexico, which was her decision. Again, nothing to her feelings about, about that either. Uh, but what happens was is after our first summer, we actually end up canceling the programs that we were supposed to put together ourselves. And we focused strictly on renting because we needed the income. So we rented out the camp. A couple good things happened uh, with that. We actually had some, uh, you know, Christ... Uh, uh, dedication decisions made right. that summer, which we, those were uh, would consider our biggest successes that we helped uh, it be a part of that. Right. And so through our rental groups, through our rental camps, um, but uh, our own programs that we wanted to put together ended up being canceled. Uh, one, because all the churches in the area already sent their kids to another camp. Um, they just weren't all that interested in you know, adding another camp to Well, there. Beach Lake was more of a mission stationary. You know, it wasn't really a summer yeah. camp. Yeah. 
Except, and that's what we were trying to convert it to. We were trying to convert it more to a summer camp than what it was. And it was more past. of a, a staging and training yeah. area yeah. to get uh, young people and older people ready to go on, on yeah. short-term mission trips. Right. Right. Yeah. And so, but we were trying to change that. We were trying to convert it. Right. And into what we wanted it to be, and uh, and it just didn't work out as far as our own programs. And the people on top of that, COVID was still an issue. A lot of people didn't want to send their kids to camp because of COVID. I I don't think even think at that time the camps in the state were allowed to be at full capacity in mm. Indiana. I think they were had to be like at seventy five percent or something like that. And so and that's because you you know uh, it, a lot of the parents didn't want to send their kids to camp anyways during that summer. And so we ended up canceling those and focus on our rental groups. Uh, but after that first summer, when my my summer staff left, we brought on a summer intern and he was a massive help and being all that, but he ended up having to go back to school. And, and so he ended up leaving too. And then my uh, other partner went back to Mexico. And then again, I was back by myself. Mm. And so now it's me trying to figure out, okay, how can we make this place better? And I did have a board. At the time, we put together our own board for the camp. And then I just tell them, hey, this is the financial situation. We need to raise this much money each month to make it to next summer. Um, we'll, we'll start focusing back our own programs next summer. We'll bring in more rental groups. That'd be great if we can do all that. Um, but um, all the rental groups for the fall end up falling out. They all call me back and canceling because COVID spiked right. that fall for after 2021. And so they all end up calling and canceling. Uh, and so now there goes my fall income to help me make it to the summer. And so I end up uh, going out to, um, I actually drove to Georgia to meet with my vice chairman. And the reason why he's, uh, he was my vice chairman as I brought him on to the board because he was my old boss at Woodland. Uh, and, oh, okay. he, he, and he knew camp very, very well. He was the program director for them at the time. And uh, I drove all I drove all the way out there to talk to him face to face. I was like, I cannot talk to you on the phone. I need to talk to you in person. And uh, he didn't even know what I was coming to talk to him about. I just said, Hey, I'm coming to talk to you. I need to see you. Make sure you're at home. So I drive to Georgia to go talk to him. I said, Look, this is a situation with the ministry. We um, are low on funds. All the fall rentals have dropped out. Uh, we don't. I don't know if I can make it to next summer. Uh, and he just says. He just tells me, I know this is your dream. I know this is what you're passionate about, but it's time. It's time just to move on. Yeah. He said, this, he said this, this was, it's okay to treat this like this is nothing but a school project. Because honestly, that's what it was. You know, even, even though I was there for a year, three years prior to all that, we were planning. We were planning to put up the, set up a nonprofit. We were, we were putting all the effort into it. So not, this wasn't just living one year in Indiana. This was a dream starting from freshman year of, of college to senior year of graduation. And so, but I get that he says, I know this is your dream, but you have no help. Your team has left you, uh, the funding, the churches aren't supporting you like you hoped they would. Um, the property itself is too big for you. Um, and so we'll just, I think it's okay for you to move on. And so I had to reach out to the rest of the board because honestly, what ended up happening was is the rest of the board just kind of looked at me and said, just do whatever you want to do. It's your decision. Well, I was like, well, I need an opinion. I need somebody's right. opinion. Please somebody tell me or give me some advice because I can't just sit here by myself and make a decision whether or not we should keep our ministry open. And so I finally, like I had to drive to Georgia just to go get an opinion. So I drove all the way to Georgia. I finally got somebody's honest opinion about whether or not we, I should just move on or continue to try. 
And then I talked to another, he was the chairman of the camp as well, and he said the same thing. He said, well, if you had your team, I would tell you to stick it out and suck it up and stick it out, basically. But he says you're by yourself, so you should probably give up. Not give up, but be willing to step away from it and, and maybe do something else. Sometimes it, it, yeah. it's nice to have friends and brothers and yeah. sisters in Christ who will just tell you the truth yeah. that it's time to move on from this. Yeah. And it's hard for us to turn loose of things. Right. We, in our new church work in Colorado, we'd been there four years mm -hmm. and a preacher from Holyoke, Colorado called, said, I want to come over and visit with you. He came over and sat down and he said, Tom, done, you meth done great here. The church is growing. Uh, you start with nothing. You got 80, 90 members or whatever, uh, money in the bank for a building. And uh, I don't think you best could have done it in, the, in this depressed economy that we were living in the early 80s. He said, but you need to leave. And I was just shocked. And he said, you're killing yourself. You're killing your wife. And you're going to kill your marriage. It's time to go. Hmm. And a few years later, Beth and I both looked back and realized he was right. And we did leave that year. We thought we took his advice. And we just couldn't see it. We we're so invested in it. But uh, good things were happening, but it was killing us. Mm -hmm. And and uh, it was. I'm thankful for that guy, Ken Boswell. Yeah, passed away last week. But yeah. good good man. Wow. He would come over and share that with us. Yeah. Sometimes you need to yes. you need to go. You went to this guy, but Ken actually came to me and said yeah. it. And and uh, sometimes they'll say things that's hard to hear. Yeah. But that's how God speaks to us sometimes is through our our brothers and sisters who really love yeah. us. Yeah. And know what our passion is. Yeah. But know that it's time to tell us you need to move on. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, which I am very thankful for both of those guys. They 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 really backed me up and tried to support me in every way they could, even when it came down to giving me the hard news of right. Hey, it's time to walk away. So I, I yeah definitely understand your point on that. And uh, and so that very week is the week I applied for Water Valley. Is when they told me that. Well, how did you find out about Water Valley? Um, well, it was on. Um, it's actually to my mom. <laughs> well, she knew. She was like, "I know you're leaving the camp, so right. you need a job." And, yeah. she was and like, moms wouldn't like wouldn't mind having their sons closer to home. Exactly. That's really what it was. And <laughs> if I'm being honest with you, and Mississippi is your yeah. home, really. Yeah. I mean, really. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so um, well, she's like, "Well, I know you need a job," and so she um, just she just looked up youth ministry jobs or ministry jobs in Mississippi. I think it was what she looked up. And Ozark Christian College's page popped up their their job listing page, and it was, um, and on it it said youth ministry position at Water, Val Water Valley, Mississippi, and it was so funny because it was the day after their uh, their search had officially closed. It said their their second resumes. I think it was through the September first or something like that. And wow. I came in. I was like September second. I called Brandon. Didn't know him at the time. I called Brandon. I was like, hey, are you still looking? He said, yeah. So I sent in my resume to them. Um, and that week, I actually, um, because I went down to Georgia and I came back to Mississippi to do this when I called him and sent in the resume. And so, hey, well, you sent in the resume while you're down here, down back, down back, down back south, just come in and we'll get the search committee together and we'll, we'll uh, interview you. And so I came in for the interview and uh, I did not know how many people, guys that were looking or anything like that. Uh, but I was actually told they were already looking at another guy too. So I was like, I came in thinking, well, there's no way they're going to hire me. My just my ministry that I'm just was a part of, 
failed and this this other guy has a little bit more youth mystery experience so i really didn't think i had it but i came out here anyways and so i sat down and they asked a couple questions as far as you know what we would do what i would do as a youth minister and and uh, how my camp experience would apply to that uh and so and at the time i didn't roll up going back to camp either going back to finding another camp to work for but really i just i, I just took a shot in the dark with this position here at water valley and so um but I really didn't think I had it because one of the reasons why is because it was a whole month before they reached back out. <laughs> so uh, after that interview, and so I ended up applying for a couple of the youth ministry jobs and a couple of the camp jobs. I had some other interviews lined up with uh, churches in Indiana. I was sitting there thinking, well, maybe this is the reason why I went to Indiana was to maybe it's what the guy was pulling me up there for right. those positions and not really the camp. And so... Um, so I had some interviews lined up there, um, and then I tried to apply some other camp, but I never got any interviews with them at any of the camps. So I didn't go back to the camp, not for the lack of trying. I did try, so <laughs> I definitely tried. But um, I, that was definitely God, because God definitely shut that down, I think. Um, and then uh, Water Valley here called me back and said, hey, we want you to meet the board. I was like, man, it's been a whole month. I thought you would have moved on by now, but... Um, they, uh, Churches, even yeah. the best of them, don't move very fast. Yeah, exactly. They? They, it took yeah. them a while. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, they don't realize sometimes that you know the guy you interviewed, he's mm -hmm. he's already left his other ministry. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, for sure. And yeah. I got a family to take care of. Yeah. yeah. Well, luckily I didn't have a family, so I could right. I could take care of myself. I did go work for another guy in Indiana for a little bit during all that time, um, and so I ended up uh, I ended up coming back down here for the board interview, and they. And that I think it was that Sunday they they took it to the congregation and the congregation voted yes. So that's how I ended up here from so, camp to. And how how many years ago? How long ago? Oh yeah, I've only been here for just a little over a year now. Little over so a year. They hired me on December twenty twenty one. Right. So. And you told me earlier today that you're in your late twenties. Yeah, twenty six. Yeah. Twenty. Well, that's that's not real late twenty, but anyway. Yeah. yeah. But but this is your young in actual youth ministry. Uh, mm -hmm. Though you worked in camps and mm -hmm. been in camps all your life, this yeah. is really a new thing for you. It is, yeah. In, in a way. Yeah, in a way. And uh, I like to hear that you're really wanting to focus on Bible mm -hmm. and and uh, fun too, yeah. but that that you realize yeah. that that's what you're here for is, yeah. is the spiritual training. Uh, so now realizing that everybody at Water Valley is going to listen to this, mm -hmm. uh, how do you like youth ministry? <laughs> it's It's been really good. Um, I really am enjoying it. I actually was asked the other night, um, um, do you miss camp? Would you ever go back to it? And I don't rule that out, don't get me wrong, but um, I told them, I said, but the thing about camp was you had a general effect on the, on the kids. Um, you were doing all the hard grunt work of, the, of running the camp so that they can be, so that they can make the decisions to, to follow Christ. And yes, you have an effect in that way, but you only had an effect on a kid for one week. And you're bringing in a couple hundred kids in a summer. And so you're, you're trying to make a quick effect on hundred different kids throughout the course of one summer. Well, here in youth ministry, what I found is you're, you're building and impacting kids for the next, from seventh grade to 12th grade. So for the next six years, if a middle right. school walks into my youth group, I have 
six really for me it's more than that obviously infancy because that's my job description is to go all the way down to infancy. So you kind of oversee the program yeah from infancy all the way up yeah. but you're spe specifically teaching junior and senior high yeah so uh, yeah so I, I, I kind of chose to focus more on the junior and senior high more than the other age groups because that's my passion. Yeah. I feel like that's the kind of the, the group I know how to connect with the best. Um, but I do also teach um, on Sundays. I teach the fourth through sixth graders. Um, I do have, I mean, I play a big role in, in almost all the age groups. And so as far as junior church and their Sunday school and things like that. And so really but though like camp you're, you're trying to make a kid an impact for a kid over a course of a week well i have 12 years to do it here from right. the time you know assuming that i'm here for that long from the time like you know a kid goes into kindergarten to the time they graduate i'm always going to be here i'm always going to be here to to guide them to jesus and show them who jesus is and so you know you're not taking in a hundred hundred hundreds of kids like you would at camp but you have 20 kids, 30 kids here that I can focus on for the next, you know, 10, seven years, however long until they graduate. You know, and that's, that's what I've kind of learned to get excited about is, you know, here it's the programming that we do um, can really change their lives. And if I do it right and do it well, um, when they get out of high school because what happens is is and I'm sure you know this is a kid has two big choice chances in their life to leave the church one is when they get into seventh grade and their parents would get to stop caring whether or not they're going to church they let them make their own decisions by the time they hit seventh grade and then when they get out of their parents house at 18 so that's their two big opportunities to leave the church and so now I've kind of made my mission to train the kids so they wouldn't get to that point that they aren't leaving the church. So with the youth group from 12 to so 7 to 12th graders, my, my main focus is when you graduate high school, when you go to college, um, are you going to walk away from church? Because that's what, honestly, that's kind of what I did. You know, not fully, right. but spiritually I did. Mm -hmm. And I don't want them to make the same right. mistake. And the same thing with any kid from the nursery age up to 6th grade. I need to be there to make sure that, and train them to make sure that by the time they, uh, when their, their parents let them make their own decisions, if they choose to let them make their own decisions by seventh grade, that they're choosing to be at the church, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know? And so that that's kind of what I take my job to be now, is that, you know, to train them to uh, not, yes, to be disciples, absolutely, because we want them to be disciples, but to continue to have a relationship with Christ when their decision comes, when they have to make their own decision, because every kid has to make that decision at one point to whether or not they're going to continue to have that relationship with him or not. And so that I, I kind of take that on as my mission. Let me give you a, a question. might be kind of a hard question. Yeah. Uh, a lot of young people in their 20s to their late 30s, yeah. and I count those as young people anymore because of my age, but uh, who grew up in the church, Mm -hmm. They are deconstructing their faith. Yeah. You've heard of this. So, yeah. what do you, I mean, I know you've not been at this very long. Yeah. But any idea how we can teach and train while they're in junior high and high school and prepare them for that time that, that at least at this point in our, in our nation's history, that mm -hmm. so many of them 
are starting to say, I'm deconstructing my faith, which is basically I'm walking away from my faith. Yes, right. But what can we do and how can we teach them that says, this is going to come. This is out there. And yeah. we tell them about so many other things. We talk about the bad decisions they can make with, with uh, their sexual lives mm-hmm. and their, their, their mental thinking and everything. Mm-hmm. How do we, what do we say to say, this is out here. And you're going to be confronted with deconstructing your faith someday. Yeah. And and how are you going to handle that? How do any any thoughts? I'm throwing something at you here. You didn't know was coming. Yeah. yeah I'm just yeah. throwing at you blind. Yeah. Any thoughts? Um. Well, really, I think the the first thing is to combat. Uh, you you brought up like, you know, sex and and things like that that that. The world's gonna throw at them. Um, I, I just did winter camp with them, and our big theme was um, the trials that come in your life, you know, the hardships and things like that. My biggest thing is to combat any thing I, I think they may struggle with in the future um, with the Bible. So I go ahead because I, they're in seventh grade. A lot of the kids are in middle school that I have right now, and and no, they may not be sexually tempted fully right now, but I'm going to go ahead and teach you on this topic and what biblical sex looks like because one day that's going to come. You're going to get into high school or even to college and you're going to be uh, tempted in, in that way. And so my thing is, is what, and that was just an example, my thing is that as far as deconstruction of the faith, you're trying to show them that the Bible is true and why it's true. There you go. Does that make sense? Not just take for granted that that you said it's true, so they're going to say, okay, it's true, and Mm -hmm. that's it for the rest of their lives. Well, that's the thing is that's what I mean. That's basically what I was taught for most of my life is believe the Bible it's true because it's true. Does that make sense? You know, and and so like, but that's not, that's not, to me that's not okay is to sit there and say, take the Bible at face value because that's all you need to know. Right. You know, so I tried to show them that, um, the first thing when I got here, the first thing I taught them on is what is the Bible? What is it? And a lot of them didn't know that, that, you know, who wrote it, who wrote what books, or that it cross-references itself or, and things like that. And it's, it's, yes, it's truth, but why is it the truth? Right. Is that, and so why is it that God chose to use something written so long ago to communicate to us? Why, you know... How is it still relevant today? That's a big one too. Is you know because mm-hmm. a lot of them think, well, it's it's so old. There's no way it's relevant today. Well, it, it talks about the same issues we still talk about today, right? And so, and to me, it's as far as deconstruction of faith, it's a very dangerous thing. Yes. It, but like I said, it, it will come to a point where everybody will have to make the decision whether or not they're going to face it. Yeah, exactly. It's just like facing, mm-hmm. do I follow Christ or don't I follow yeah. Christ in the, initially? Yeah. And then it comes back around because yeah. Satan is will do anything mm-hmm. to pull us out of the kingdom of God. Yeah. 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 But it, but if not only but if they know that the Bible is true and why it's true, then they're going to have a hard harder time walking away from that. And what I mean by knowing why why it's true, it's 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 more about again why is God using the Bible to communicate to us? Okay, why What's the context of the Bible? What is what was the authors originally trying to communicate? First of all, how did it become canon? You know things like that. Yeah, right. Um, you know, and and if you really see the formation of the Word of God and how it all came together like a big puzzle, if it all comes together, then it's easier to see that yes, 
throughout history, this thing was formed, but it was formed through divine intervention. Um, this is how God uses these ancient documents to still communicate to us um, things that are still relevant um, through uh, salvation, things like that. And so, it, it, again, to me, it's it's all about, you know, taking the Word of God, not just because somebody told you to believe it, but believe it for yourself. Do you find with students sometimes there are those that you you just can kind of pick out that they, that they, that they would go deeper? Mm-hmm. And, but you can't go deeper because you've got such a wide variety of kids. Yeah. Is there anything you can do with those that, I mean, that, that, that were well, you going to dig deeper? Is there something you can do that says, uh, without making other kids jealous or parents, oh, you're focusing on this kid or that kid, yeah. but just say, right, here's one that I think is getting it, and once more, mm-hmm. I, we can go deeper with this one. Yeah. Um it, that get, that does get very dangerous, not just yeah. with parents. I, I, I kind of saw that even with volunteers. Yeah. When they see that maybe you, you you're focusing on the one kid, they, they may call you out on it. Right. Um, and and to me, it's well, I just answer that question. Well, this is the kid that wants it. Yeah. Does that make sense? Well, I'm going to hear about this, but it's mm. like not everybody should get a blue ribbon just because yeah. they were in the race. Yeah. I mean, somebody's going to win the race. Yeah. That person, you know, you got to learn, yeah. you know, this person is is really in the race to win it. They mm-hmm. they want to go deeper and we need yeah. to we need to do that. It's, it's um I talked with your preacher a week or two ago mm-hmm. and we didn't even get on the subject that we really need to be looking for young men who seem like they want to go deeper and uh yeah. our our friend uh Evan Strickland had mm-hmm. a preacher's preacher boy class. Yeah. Uh, when when he was down at the Antioch yeah, I actually church, actually sent a couple of my boys down there. You did what? I actually sent some of my youth kids down to the preaching camp. Oh, did you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That he did in Newton. So. Well, and he's got the preacher camp, but he's also yeah. had a preacher club. Right. Yeah. And um, Murfreesboro, Arkansas, has a preacher boy club, mm-hmm. and uh, we need to do more of that when we yeah. find someone that wants to dig deeper, or someone who just gets excited about ministry, and maybe they're not so deep. Yeah. You know, I, I'm 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 not the deepest person you ever met. I'm not. I, people know, who know me know I'm always saying I'm not the brightest bulb in the chandelier. Mm-hmm. I'm really not. But but I love the Lord and I want yeah. to do something for Him. Yeah. And we need to, we need to maybe encourage those that that want to do that. Yeah. Um. Well, you've been in youth ministry for for just just over a year, a long yeah. time here, thirteen mm-hmm. months, fourteen months. Yeah. Um. What do you see as a big challenge for youth ministers going going forward with what's happening in the world today? We kind of talked about some of this already, but any, mm-hmm. anything particular that's a real challenge for a youth minister to deal with within the church, outside the church? Yeah. Um, well, I, two things I All would right. say for sure. Um, first thing is adults. I don't mean that uh, rudely. I'm not trying to, you know, to... To, to be this like you know adults are terrible because they're not <laughs> you know <laughs> you know I'm an adult myself you know um, but whether it be adults in the church or the parents themselves um, parents don't take their kid take the church too seriously I don't think as far as their kids and it, which is baffling to me because you know the word of God. You just sit, tell you, you need to 
make sure your kid has really that's your responsibility well parents kind of look at me and say well no it's your job to make sure my kid has a relationship with christ right that, and to me that's a massive issue you know because you you as the father you have the the responsibility responsibility yeah absolutely of that and and that's the thing too well, a lot of them are single have a lot of my kids have moms who aren't married so now that falls on the mom you know and so but even the mom herself doesn't fulfill that and so i've even had um a mother tell me once um i'm so glad my kid is a part of a youth group i'm so glad i've seen them grow closer to jesus because they're part of a youth group but that mom does not come to church at all whatsoever right you know uh, and and parents have such an impact on the kids to where when that day of decision comes whether to destruct their faith walk away from it or stick with it the, what the parent t teaches the kid will have a bigger impact on what I taught the kid. And the reason why, and that, uh, Kevin Greer, a professor at Ozark, had video, had training videos, actually showed my staff during training, or my, sorry, my volunteers during training, um, and he said that as youth ministers, which I completely agree with him, as youth ministers, you will never have the impact that, that a kid's parent will have right. on, on a kid. And so when a kid sees a parent not per put Jesus as a priority, when, what do you think they're going to do when they get older? What do you think they're going to do now? You know, why, is, why do I have youth kids text me, hey, I'm not coming to youth group tonight for some ridiculous reason, you know, and uh, happened the other night, you know? Um, well, it's because their parents also don't put Jesus first. So it's, it's hard to teach a kid that when the parent doesn't believe that Jesus should be a priority. And even if you have the impact that changes their life, that turns mm -hmm. it around, that even maybe leads them into ministry someday, yeah. they always, the rest of life, have to deal with the lack of faith of their parents. Yeah. We don't get away from that. Yeah. And we, uh, we, speaking from a little bit of experience here, we, that will always follow us. Yeah. And we always have to deal with that. Uh, the kids, they're getting, they're getting, thousands of hours mm -hmm. fed and taught by the world, yes. by, by uh, government schools. Mm -hmm. And I've kind of changed my whole thing of saying uh, public schools. <laughs> but, uh, and there's some fine teachers there. Don't, don't yeah. send me letters. Mm -hmm. But, but uh, they get all that teaching. And it's like when a parent says, I don't want you talking about sex to my kids. Well, everybody else is. Yeah. And, and let's give them a biblical perspective. Yes. And, and, uh, and we even need to speak about that from the pulpit. Yeah. And uh, but they're getting it from everywhere else. And you give your kids to me one hour a week, an hour and a half a week, maybe two hours, three at the at the very most if they're involved in everything in church. And you expect me to mold them into fine Christians. Mm -hmm. It ain't going to happen without mom and dad. It ain't going to happen without the rest of the church family, mm -hmm. without the old folks and and that have no blood relationship other than the blood of Christ with these kids. Yeah. Uh, everybody has to be involved in this. Yeah. Uh, I, I get off my stool here. I, <laughs> yeah. uh, let me step down from here a minute. All right, right now I'm back down. Uh, anything else you want to share with us? Our time's about up. Well, yeah, well, and just kind of uh, finishing up the the last part of my answer. Yeah, parents, as far as the kids side of things, I think parents is the biggest thing. As far as youth ministry-wise, from what I've seen, again, I haven't been here for that long, um, is the how the adults and the rest of the church see the youth ministry itself or even the youth minister i think 
the biggest thing is they see the kids as their own thing. You know, they're kind of separate from mm -hmm. us, and so they're not a part of our Bible study, and therefore they're just kind of their own, almost like a sub-ministry of the church. You know, there's, right. not, there's not really unity there uh, between the adults and the, and the kids, and, and we try to battle that with a couple programs we put together through throughout the year. But even like when I, when I mention, say like in the board meeting, the Sunday program, the Sunday morning worship service and things like that. And um, I may mention that, well, they look at me as like, well, that's not your area. Well, I mean, what do you mean? Like my kids are sitting in that, <laughs> in right. that Sunday morning service right? And, and they have a right to be just as impacted as any other adult in there. Sure. You know, whether, you know, you're 85 or, you know, 13 years old, you know, that's, you're all apart and you're all part of the same church. But, and then on top of that, it's the view that youth ministers are just, this is just them training to be a senior minister. It's means. not. Yeah, uh, it's tongue and cheek, people. Tongue and cheek. Yeah. All right. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. Is yeah, and a lot of a lot of guys take the youth minister route before they become senior ministers. I'm not speaking out against that, but you know, we talked about it earlier. Not not every youth minister wants to be a senior no. minister. They, no, there there are they're, guys they're, in children's ministry yeah. in their sixties. Yeah. And yeah. Going back to Kevin Greer, Kevin Greer, Ozark, in in his training videos, he says that that's like asking a kindergarten teacher if they're ready to move up to junior high. Or high school, right? We, we all have our specific calling. Right. We all we all have a passion, uh, and for me, it's the kids. Um, and so, and and because it's really funny because I got here and he goes on vacation one one month in, and I have to preach. And so I cover for him preaching, and I come down out of the pulpit, and they're all saying, "Man, you really could be a, a senior minister." <laughs> I was like, "I've only been doing this for a month, and you're telling me I should be promoted to a senior minister." Like this is. Like, I'm just now learning how to be a youth minister. Right. And, you know, and, and finally, five years down the road, I'm still going to be learning. Don't, you know, you don't, you don't stop learning, but I'll finally have a grip on what I'm doing. Right. You know, I'm not ready to move on, anywhere ready to move on to be the, the next. Well, you know, we have to look at our giftedness. Exactly. I have a gift to do pastoral work. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have an ability, excuse me, I have an ability to pastoral work. Yeah. And I can do it because it's part of my job when I was in located ministry. Mm -hmm. But I am an evangelist. Yeah. That's my gift. Right. And my gift is also administration. So I can handle that. And if I have some administration to do or, or a, a, a person who's not a Christian to call on, they're always going to be my priority over the pastoral work of somebody in the church. And that's not to say that's not a responsibility. Yeah. But it it's you're going to do what your gift is. And that's yeah. where we need to be. Right. And, and uh so anyway, I'm glad to see you're doing that, Keith. I'm no, glad you. to see you're here and Appreciate you're doing it. it and doing well. And we just wish you all the best thank in, you. in the years to come. I look forward to just watching you grow as a youth minister. And if you're a youth minister when you're 65, I won't be around to know. I'll just wait till you, <laughs> I'll wait till you cross the river and I'll, we'll talk about it then. We'll, right. Maybe, I don't know if they have podcasts in heaven, but maybe I'll have well, a chance to talk to you there. Yeah. But thank you for, for sharing with yeah, us today and, and taking time. And I just appreciate that so much. And uh, if this has been an, an inspiration to our listeners, we hope that you will share it with your friends and coworkers in Christ. Be sure and like and follow us on whatever podcast engine you are doing. Put this on your Facebook page. Share it to your Facebook page. Um, if you're on True Social, Telegram, wherever you're at, uh, we appreciate if you'd share that. Until next time, this is Evangelist Tom Weaver saying goodbye, and may God pour down His blessings on you like a Mississippi rain.